Go to bestsellerbuilders.com. We help authors get it done. Book success is number one with bestsellerbuilders.com. Hello, everybody. It's Mike Stewart, and we're here again with the inside secrets of a New York Times bestselling book podcast. And there she is. Amy Collins. How you doing, Amy? I'm hanging in there. How are you, Mike? How's things going today? I'm excited. I'm learning so much about the book industry. I had no idea. But you know what? I want to know, you know, about these brick and mortar locations. You know, there's some that in the past years have disappeared and we hear about selling books online. Let's let's talk about uh, the location, physical locations. The physical locations. You know, people still like getting in their cars and going to uh, places where they can go up and down the aisles. So what are some things you wish you knew in the beginning when you started your career uh, about the brick-and-mortar locations? What uh, are some secrets and strategies that can help us? I wish I had had a, a magic you know, a magic ball, you know, to, to look into a crystal ball. They, crystal I ball, wish I'd yeah. had a crystal ball because if you'd asked me 10 years ago about independent bookstores, I would tell you that they were dying, that they were going to be gone by, by this time. Well, I'm wrong. There were only, there were about 1,600 independent bookstores in the U.S. five years ago. There's over 2,400 today. They are coming back with a huge vengeance. They are roaring back. And while major chains like Barnes & Noble are shrinking and getting smaller and smaller, Barnes & Noble is getting this enormous momentum into the college market, into the college book market, and they're shifting a lot of their stores and a lot of the stuff that they've learned into those college areas. These college bookstores are not college bookstores the way I remember them. You know, these are huge stores that just happen to be in college areas. Paying attention to books now and book sales and ignoring Walmart, Target, airport stores, Tractor Supply Company, PetSmart. Books are available everywhere in these brick-and-mortar locations. So when people say Amazon, 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 I need to remind them that a huge amount of books are still being sold in the real world. And what I wished I'd known then and what I know now is that you just got to pay attention to what's really happening and never lock into what you think is happening. So so pay attention and realize that there are probably new creative ways today to get physical books mm-hmm. uh, uh, available to the public and profitable. So, so what are some of those things that are valuable to know about today when it comes to these brick-and-mortar places? Well, unlike selling online, getting into an actual physical retail location is extremely difficult. You have to earn your way there. See, bookstores, and you may know this, Mike, because I know you shop in bookstores, in real bookstores, as you say, but bookstores, they're not empty with brick-and-mortar stores. You're not just asking them to take a chance on your book. You're asking them to risk their livelihood. And so when I walk into a brick-and-mortar store and I hand them my book and I ask them to put it on their shelf, they may want to put my book on their shelf. They may like me personally. There may be a lot of reasons. But what I'm actually asking them to do is to walk up to a bookshelf, take a book down from the shelf that's making them money, that's actually proven itself, that's keeping their lights on, that's keeping their rent paid, and I'm asking them to put my book in its place. And when I'm asking them to put my book in its place— what ends up happening is it's a crapshoot for them. 
Will it make them money? Will it not make them money? They don't know. So with brick-and-mortar stores, if you really want to be in bookstores, if you want to be in pet stores, if you want to be in hardware stores, it's a real simple, it sounds simple, and it is, it's a simple plan. You have to prove to them that you'll make them money. It sounds romantic, and I I want my books. I want 12 or 15 of my books stacked up on a front table at a local bookstore. I want Barnes & Noble and Books A Million to have me in their front window. Every author wants that, and you can achieve that. You can be in airport stores. You can be at Costco. You can be in Walmart. But you have to earn your way in. And that's what we help people do at Bestseller Builders. Bestsellerbuilders.com is not about false promises. It's all about telling people that there is a path and we will help them walk it. So I want to put this into action. I I have a book that uh, I've got the ability to deliver to physical locations. You know, what is a tip to get that to happen? Well, distribution. We actually have a module coming up on distribution, and I really, I would recommend that everyone listen to it because you need to understand that bookstores, they can't just take a book from anyone. They Lots of them have rules, libraries in particular, major chains. They want to go through a real distribution system. We can help you understand how to put that distribution in place. The other thing you need to understand is there are some criteria that bookstores, especially Barnes & Noble and Books A Million, that they've got. They want a particular type of barcode on the back of your book. They need a certain price. For those of you who have watched our session on pricing, there's a reason why I'm so insistent that you price to to the marketplace. There's a lot that happens to get into a bookstore. But if you want want to earn your way onto their shelf, making sure that you're making their job easy. And you can do that by pricing it right, making sure that they can order it easily. Can you be of help to them? There's a system called consignment. And many bookstores will ask you to sell you their book on your book on consignment, which means they'll take in a half a dozen copies, and at the end of the month, they'll pay you for what they've sold. But that becomes a little unwieldy when you want to be in 300 bookstores. I mean, bestseller builders, our clients, we're not happy with 300 bookstores. We want 3,000 bookstores. So we can't do it on consignment. So pay attention to, again, the distribution model. Pay attention to the amount of time you can dedicate and put a plan together. Well, that sounds like why all the other things we've talked about are so important to get to this point. Exactly. Yeah. Any other details about uh, getting in stores that you want to share before we move on? There's a million. There's a million. I wish that I could go over it, you know, and, and give everyone everything they need to know. But I do want to reiterate the checklists. I do want to make sure that everyone's aware that distribution is possible in a way that was never possible before. We are in this amazing moment in history where your book can be put into the distribution model through a print-on-demand system, which I'm happy to go to the print-on-demand module. Make sure you watch that. It tells you how to get your book available to bookstores. But just because it's available doesn't mean they're going to order it. So I want to leave you with this, anyone who's listening, and you too, Mike, for especially for the people you know who sell a book. Getting your book into a store is fabulous, and it's hard, and it's worth it, but it's only half the job. Once you get your book into the store, it is still your responsibility to get your book out of the store. So if you know, and if platform building, which actually involves all that, platform building is making sure that the book is created properly, getting it 
into the stores in a in a legitimate and and well-earned way and then moving it out of the store. A sale is not a sale, I say, until the book has been taken home, someone has spilled coffee on it, and they lost the receipt. Then you can count that as a book sale. <laughs> and so if that's the case, your job is to get it from all the way from here over to there. And we can help you at bestsellerbuilders.com. Great. Tools, websites, software, anything to help with this process? Absolutely. And all of them are available in the next module. Um, now, we do have links to to the different print-on-demand companies. If you want to sell your book in an audiobook format, if you want to sell your book in an ebook format, print-on-demand is wonderful for the print books. And while we're talking about actual physical stores, there are stores up in Canada and right here in the States that sell connections to audiobook and to ebook downloads. Barnes & Noble has the Nook system, which is still around, believe it or not. So we get into all of that in the next module. I highly recommend you give it a listen. Great. I have my inventory. I want to get it in stores. And you said 3,000 stores. How long does it take to make that happen? depends on how fast it sells, and it depends on how broad your platform is. It depends on how successful your advertising has been. I'd love to tell you that everyone can do this. That's not the case. If everyone could do it, we'd all be doing it. I'm afraid that, again, we talk about talented authors, we talk about successful authors, but you have to be tenacious authors. It does take a while. But I have some clients. I have one woman. Her name is Laura. She wrote this fantastic book. Um, it was about the orphan train. You may be familiar at all with that, the story of the orphan train. And she, her book was called Forgetting Tabitha. She was one of my first clients when Bestseller Builders got started. And she had been focusing online her whole career. She came to us and we helped her get into stores and libraries, actual, physical, what we call brick and mortar locations. She sold her book, I believe, into one library in Boston. And then she got an order for 33 more copies, literally two weeks later. She didn't know where it was coming from. Other locations in Boston had seen the checkout rate. Her book was so popular at that one location, she didn't do anything. All of a sudden, 33 other locations ordered her book. She was in 50 libraries before the end of the month. I'd love to say that happens to everyone. And it doesn't. We have other clients, uh, the Great Battles for Boys. Great Battles for Boys is a fantastic series. I absolutely adore, you know, working with Joe. He's terrific. But the truth is, one of the reasons why I love working with him so much is we started pitching him out to the bookstores and his sales went through the roof. He sold like, I don't know, it was something like three, 4,000 copies in the first month. So it depends. Other people, it takes them weeks or months to, to get up the momentum. Some people, it never happens, usually because of that willingness factor. So the answer is it depends. I wish I could give you a hard and fast answer. What do people get stuck on when dealing with getting in these stores? What's, what's, what, I'm sure they get stuck, but tell the story of, uh, of the pitfalls to avoid getting stuck and how to get out of it. I get stuck sometimes. I'd love to tell you about the authors, but the truth is I hate hearing no. It hurts my feelings. It, it makes me insecure when I don't hear back from people or when someone says, no, thank you. So when you get stuck and when you're getting a lot of no's, this is one of those cases where you simply just need to keep going. You need to persevere. With 2,400 independent bookstores, just in the U.S., never mind the 2,000 that are up in Canada, with the, the thousands of libraries, there's almost 10,000 libraries here in the U.S. There's another couple thousand up in Canada. There's a lot more in the U.K. and in Australia. With all of the places out there that 
are potential and possible purchasers and markets for your book, if seven bookstores in your hometown say no, keep going. Keep going. Don't, don't give up. A no is not a rejection. A no is an answer. And if you, can, if you can hold on to the idea that when someone says no thank you, what they're actually saying is it's not a good fit for me. So I get stuck sometimes. I get a little freaked out, and I have to remind myself, I uh, that you know, I I don't drive a Lexus because it's not a good fit for me. They don't feel. I don't drive a Subaru. The Subaru head headstocks they they don't fit right. I don't. I like my head to go further back. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with Subaru. It's not a good fit for me. That's why I don't drive a Subaru. So if you can keep that in mind when people are saying no to you and keep going, trust me, Subaru does not need my business. They're fine. So keep doing what they're doing. You'll be in good shape. Persistence sounds great. All right. We're winding down and we're going to talk about something that sounds like it's a passion of yours is distribution and all the potential uh, opportunities for people who uh, uh, need to learn about this. We'll do that in the next module. 